0: This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's Most Informative Real Estate Talk Show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors, and our goal is to give you some really good information so you, all of you can make really good decisions out there on your real estate uh, needs, whether it's uh, buying a home, selling a home, or keeping a home. And one of the great things about being the host on this show every week for the last 12 years is we have some not only a lot of great realtors that can come in and share their information, but we have a lot of really great contacts, people that we we get to know through this whole process. And one of those is our guest today, and that is Assemblyman Jim Patterson. Good morning, Jim. Don, how are you? Great. Thank you very much for doing this. And, um, boy, especially at a time like this, Yes. With the shelter-in-place order from the state of California, the pandemic. Um, I'll bet you know a few things or experience a few things that will be news to us. And um, I'm going to ask yeah, you. Uh, sure. You go ahead.
1: Well, for, uh, yeah, first of all, uh, I've been in the legislature six years. I've never seen anything like it with respect to constituents, uh who are confused uh many desperate a lot of uh concerned people a lot of small businesses that are going through the misery of the shutdown they have a lot of individuals who have been furloughed laid off and unfortunately uh a lot of the bureaucracies <clears throat> you know are making uh promises and some of the uh, political people up in sacramento are making promises about unemployment and help to small business and the like and yet um oftentimes we're finding that the technology and the bureaucracies are just unable to cope. And so we are spending lots of time talking with people and helping them to unwind problems with unemployment or with uh, small business help, things like that. So um, if anybody is running into difficulty, uh, you can call four four six two zero two nine, which is my local office. We have staff people there and We'll walk you through and help unwind some of these uh, bureaucratic entanglements and, and get you the answer that you deserve.
0: Thank you. And, and that brings out a really good point. I think you, the average citizen out there doesn't know how accessible their elected officials are, and especially you. in, in your It's the 23rd District, right?
1: Yep. It's basically Fresno uh, and a, a county, a good chunk of uh of Tulare County, up uh, toward, uh, oh, you know, the Woodlake area and, and uh, Three Rivers and the orange-growing areas.
0: Oh, you so, lucky guy. So the, you get to drive over there sometimes, huh?
1: <laughs> uh, let's just say that uh, when I need to go talk to constituents in uh, Three Rivers, uh, Sharon likes to go with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, she's a smart lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is a beautiful drive. That's some beautiful country. Yep.
1: Yeah, I represent uh, the two uh, national parks up there as well. And so, uh, yeah, and look, uh, these are really difficult times. Uh, And uh, it's just uh, I hope that we're bending the curve. We can talk about that and and that we can start opening uh, back up the California economy and the central California economy. There are some Mm -hmm. things that we're going to have to pay some attention to. But we'll see so um right now what what we're doing is basically a full service uh a constituent uh help operation and we're glad to do it and it, it's not bothering me or, or my staff uh, i think it's the job description so mm-hmm. we, we are here to help
0: okay so if let's say a small business owner um, whether it be a restaurant, a real estate office, something property management office, if they're facing issues, they can contact your local office, and you guys will help them. Absolutely. Mm. We also
1: have uh, really good relationships uh, with the governor's office. Uh, believe
0: it or not. <laughs> for, can you say that like again see, for us? Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, people like people like to think that. Uh, you know uh, Republicans are uh, irrelevant uh, these days uh, because we're outnumbered. Uh, no, I hold an office. Uh, that office has privileges and uh, opportunities to communicate for our constituents. And I must say that we have an individual in the Fresno area who is Governor Newsom's liaison uh, for the Central California area and he has been exceptionally helpful in getting our concerns directly to the uh, chief of staff of the governor. So we have ways of communicating there. And also we have ways of uh, we work together with uh, our congressional office, uh, particularly Congressman uh, Nunes. And so much of what you just outlined, unemployment or small business assistance, uh, these have state components, but they also have federal components. And part of walking people through bureaucratical entanglements uh, is working through our communications with the chief of staff of the governor, also our members of Congress, and uh, also the bureaucracies. We have direct access to these uh, bureaucracies in the state through legislative liaisons. They are there to take our call. They are there to get us answers. They're, they're there to work uh, through for our constituents. So if you feel helpless, if you've been on hold at EDD for hours on end, if you've tried to apply for the, uh, you know, the small business uh, help, uh, either through the SBA or uh, at, at the state, and you're running into difficulties, uh, we know the experience. We have experts uh, on our staff that can work through these. Uh, and most most of the time, we can get a a, a satisfactory answer.
0: I'm going to ask you a question, which is in general now, so it's even pre-pandemic. So going back last year, four years ago, and such, is the Central Valley overlooked by the state in general? Um, I've heard that concern yeah. before. That well, L.A. and San Francisco pull pull all the weight in the state of California.
1: Well, look, it's a, a Don, it's a numbers game. I mean, you have to recognize that the big population centers are in the Bay Area and in Southern California. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. When I was sworn in uh, on the floor of the legislature, each time we're elected and then reelected, we're sworn in alphabetically by county. And so the uh, the speaker says amador county and you know one or one person stands the two people stand up you get to fresno county two people stand up uh we get to los angeles county about a third of the legis- uh, the assembly floor stands up to be sworn in and so just the raw political numbers are heavily weighted toward the larger urban areas I, I will say that yes i I think we are often overlooked simply because uh the statewide politicians the governor those folks they really don't need us to get elected now when the tables are turned and when Republicans are have an opportunity to maybe be competitive, central California is a large pool of of votes for 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 Republican uh, gubernatorial candidates so the, i i I think that um, if people (laughs) I think people can recognize that I have made a bit of a name for myself as as being a bit of an uh, advocate and maybe even an agitator for central California up in the Bay area. We've taken on the DMV. We've taken on the, the EDD. Uh, We are not uh, silent and we have significant presence, uh, on the media not only in central california but up and down the state i have uh i I think we've earned a reputation uh of being a watchdog and an advocate for uh those people and regions that have been overlooked and fresno and central california is a region that has been uh, overlooked uh i will i will say that now under the circumstances of the pandemic everybody counts in the state of california now every human life is important and i think we have avenues of at least getting our uh voice heard and uh, uh, some of the needs met uh here in the area so uh isn't it <laughs> isn't it too bad that uh, a health uh scare like this uh gets us the kind of attention that we ought to be getting uh, every year, 365 days a year from our Sacramento government. Uh, but look, it's the job description to be a representative and a strong advocate and a strong watchdog. I'm going to continue to do that, and I think we've been able to make uh, significant headway on state issues, but I think we've also, and I'm so proud of my staff and so appreciative of them for uh being able to help one-on-one individuals, person by person, problem by problem, work their way through some of the challenges and the roadblocks uh,
0: in the state. Mm-hmm. It, it, I've heard this a lot, not just about the political landscape, but how this uh, pandemic has brought people together, made us look more for the the silver lining in the cloud. Um, you know, people getting. To know their family better, because they're starting to, they have to. They're quarantined with them. Um, people are getting back to basics a little bit more. Um, so, hey, there there is a you know, silver lining. You
1: know, I've noticed uh, lots of people are walking. They're out together with you know walking their families or with their with their dog. Uh, they're taking strolls. Uh, people are, you know, cooped up in, you know, their homes. And, uh, so I'm seeing an awful lot of, uh, outdoor kinds of things, although people are still separating adequate distances and the like, but there's a, a lot of activity there for Sharon. And, and for me, um, it, it has been a little bit bitter and a little bit sweet. Uh, you know, we are up in that age group, uh, that might tend to be a little more at risk. Uh, by the way, we're both healthy. We're, God's been good to us, and, and we're, we're doing fine. But as a result, we, uh, we, just, we haven't been able to hug our grandkids in a long, long time.
0: Ooh, that's got to uh, hurt. Uh,
1: and yet, and yet uh, we know that you know they're doing well. We, we, we do go and we see them. We have to stay 6, eight, ten feet apart. And, and our, our youngest ones, they want to come running up to, to Mimi and Papa and jump in our arms. And they just, they keep, they, they start to run, you know, and then mom says, oh, you you can't do it. And and my little uh, Joby, who's uh, three years old says, oh, Papa, the germs are still here. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) the germs are still here. So yeah, I, I, I I will say something else and you hit on it. Thinking about what's really important these days, um, we, I think we're finding ourselves realizing that hustle and bustle and everyday routine is uh, the work that we do. It is the living that we make. I think we're having an opportunity to have conversations with each other and sentiments spread with each other over not making a living, but what are the aspects of making a life. Uh, I know that Sharon and I are going to take from this a much deeper appreciation for friends. Uh, you know, Don, you and I, we, uh, our our families. We, you know, we we've gone to dinner together before, and those I I we have been able to do that. So we miss that kind of of uh, personal kind of relationships. We're we're thinking and rethinking what living a life and making a living uh, really means. I think we're going to come out of this where Sharon and I are going to make purposeful decisions to maybe slow the making a living part down a little bit and maybe have a little more time uh, for making a life. And I think that's going to mean friends and family and loved ones uh, are going to be a little more dear to us. And I think we're probably going to make a whole lot more time for them.
0: And I think you're talking about the resiliency of the of human nature. We are going Mm -hmm. to make it. And we're because we're a resilient being. And um, so we're going to do it. With that, we are going to go to our first commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio because we're going to have more of Assemblyman Jim Patterson. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have on the line Assemblyman Jim Patterson of the 23rd Assembly District, and thank you for taking the time today, but I have a question for you that I should remember this from civics class from way back when. Uh, Maybe that's the problem. It's way back when. (laughs) Um, You mentioned that there's two people from Fresno County, Assembly people. But you get down to Los Angeles, and about a third of the assembly, which is 80 people, um, stand up. So uh, are the districts uh, carved out by population or geographically? How is it done?
1: Sure. Well, let's let's, let's do a civics class, all right? All right. <laughs> so the, 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 fun, the fundamental uh, constitutional uh, requirement for our districts and for uh, voters, is one person, one vote. Well, what does that mean? It means my vote should be every bit as important as the next person's, and the courts have determined <clears throat> that districts should be of equal population size. All right? So the, the difference between Central California and Southern California isn't the size of the district, it is the density of the region. Right, So uh, we have uh, two assembly districts in Fresno County. They have about 600,000 people in them. Uh, Every assembly district has about the same number. And then every 10 years, we have a census and we have these districts that are uh, uh, that we look at them every 10 years and they are reapportioned again, to keep them compact to the degree that we can and representing communities of interest and that they each have to have about the same number of individuals, uh, uh, registered voters in them. And that's that's, uh, the basic uh, difference. Southern California has a whole lot more members in the legislature, uh, Los Angeles County, for example, because it's a big county, but it's a highly... Dense population, and so you know, you have to carve them up into uh, districts of 600,000 each. So they got a lot more districts of 600,000 each than we do in Fresno County.
0: Wow, yeah, 600,000 wouldn't go very far in Los Angeles, you, <laughs> you may only go five miles. Yeah, in here, you it's get to drive some... to Woodlake.
1: Yeah, that's right. Let me, let me. If you have a minute, yeah. this is something I think is very interesting with respect to home ownership, densities, and how well California is doing in this pandemic. Very interesting uh, research is being done now about the reasons why California is doing fairly well. We're doing better than uh, New York, for example, or, or Massachusetts or some other uh, states. What is it that has allowed California to be less at risk, lower population densities? We have suburbs. Uh, we have a city like Fresno. We are somewhat spread out. We're 120 square miles, but we're the fifth largest city in the state of California. We don't use in California high-density transit systems the way that New York and other large metropolitan areas uh, use them. As a result, the fact that we are spread out and that we have less density has been a factor as to why we are significantly uh, more uh, healthy during this pandemic uh, than other places. And and that gets me to what I think is a—this is a crazy juxtaposition— while the state of California is doing well because we aren't stacking and packing and putting people into dense circumstances and doing away with three bedrooms, two bath home and a and a nice backyard, uh, we now we have a history of, of developing our our state that way. Well, what do you think is the fundamental housing policy that the state of California is pursuing right now? High densification along transportation corridors that are high-density public transit. Isn't it interesting, Don, that the very factors of California life that we enjoy, it's also healthy for us with respect to uh, uh, viruses and, and passing along disease, Uh, And yet the state of California is aggressively and actively moving down a path to force uh, cities uh, uh, to densify their their, their growth. I think that there's going to be an entirely different reevaluation of our housing plans and how we uh, build out California now that we know from research that when we have uh, uh, densities that are livable, and you have space, and you got a backyard, and you've got uh, a home, not an apartment or a condo. Uh, interesting. I, I think that we're going to start reevaluating what growth really looks like in the state of California. And interest, interestingly, Fresno is the city of Fresno is determining that they probably made a mistake. In the general plan that was adopted uh, some time back, we now know that that general plan has caused our housing market to flatten, maybe even decline. And we've seen uh, the home builders uh, going to places like Southern Madera County, to Clovis, uh, Sanger, Selma, other areas. Why? Because the marketplace just doesn't, uh, doesn't want to go to a place where they, they, they cannot have a home. Uh, and uh, a, a you know a decent backyard, uh, you know a, a nice little shopping area down around the corner, and a good school uh, across the way. Those are the kinds of things that have made California living the kind of the California dream. And I think that the that the real estate industry, the the realtors, and your association up in Sacramento, we are going to be a part of a real thorough discussion about uh, whether or not the policies that are coming out of the California legislature for. Uh, mass transit and huge uh, densification uh isn't uh actually uh going in a direction that an awful lot of californians uh will reject
0: well it's the driving an interesting oh go ahead go ahead yeah i was going to say it seems like the driving force behind the argument for and i'm going to quote you on this the stack impacts um i remember you saying that where we want the uh the government wants a higher density. Um, the justification for that was global warming. Well, now this is going to uh, enter a global pandemic where we do need more space. So there's an irony there. And I can see the reevaluation coming.
1: Yep. Uh, Don, it, it, I was talking earlier about the difference between making a living and making a life. Uh, there is a significant difference with respect to the livability of space. Uh, It it is one thing to say, well, we're going to provide, you know, the stack and pack housing, and we're going to require it, and we're going to make it uh, next to impossible to develop a three-bedroom, two-bath with a backyard, and we're going to put people in dense circumstances. Sociologists will will tell you over and over again that the densification and this stack and pack livability uh, has psychological uh, uh damages it has relational uh damages uh, it, it is it is i if you ever if you ever watch what uh, guinea pigs do if you if you have a cage with two guinea pigs in it and then you put eight guinea pigs in in the same cage those guinea pigs don't seem to get along <laughs> uh, there are so livability is one thing that i think is so important with respect to the plans that we make in our cities, with respect to the real estate uh, industry and the idea of home. Home, having a house, is very different than living in a, 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 an apartment or a, or a high-density condominium. I'm all for free choice. When people want to live that way, whether they're real young or whether they're older, that's absolutely appropriate. But there's an entire spread of people from millennials who get married and have kids and move out of the apartment and then into their first house and with the backyard. All of us have stories of our kids who have lived that kind of life. And my concern for California and my concern for Fresno is that we have not valued or paid enough attention to the livability of a home, not merely having Uh, a limited space in which to live. I'm sitting now at the home that Sharon and I have lived in for almost 45 years. We've raised all of our kids and I have a backyard and I'm looking at some nice mature trees and a couple of really nifty uh, rose gardens here and there. And uh, I've known our next door neighbors and folks across the street behind the backyard fence uh, we've shopped at the market. Uh, it used to be Catalano's right now. It's the market at fruit and Herndon. So Don, I've said this before mm-hmm. on, on your show, you don't just provide people the opportunity of a house. You hand them to a key to a home. My, uh, daughter and son-in-law two of our four grandchildren, uh, relocated from up in uh, uh, the North Fork area down to Fresno, and they're now about uh, 10 minutes away from us. We went through it again, Don. Realtors help my loved ones enjoy their new home, and they are dolling it up, and they're uh, tending their own roses, and they're enjoying adding on some kitchen uh, uh, construction that they're doing and upgrades and just the fun thing of of a home uh don i i am over overarching concern that the california dream is under attack in the state of california and unfortunately i think the fresno dream uh, is under attack uh, by our own uh, misguided general plan the good news in fresno is that uh, Jerry Dyer, who is the, the incoming mayor, uh, <laughs> Mike Mike Carbassi, uh one of the newer uh, members of the city council, uh, others uh, uh, have a similar concern uh, that I have and that I think uh, w- w- realtors have with respect to livable space and enough of it to make a home not merely a shelter
0: that's an excellent point and um we're going to get in the next segment when we get back from commercial break i want to talk about that vision of a of a a different lifestyle so stay tuned to welcome home radio on 9 40 a.m
1: looking back i wouldn't have it any other way i'm proud of the house we built it's stronger than sticks stones and steel it's not a big place sitting up high on some hill a lot of things will come and go
0: but love never will oh i'm proud i'm proud of the house we built welcome back welcome home radio this is don scordino your host and on the line we have assemblyman jim patterson and um joe and i played that one for you i'm proud of the house we built because you've been in your home 40 years you talk about the pride the family and uh you know how you know your neighbors you you shop with them uh, at at the local market so is that not what that song is about
1: it it sure is and don we've talked about this before uh you and i have um we I mean, we look, we're, we're at a place where our kids are up and gone and the house is uh, a little bit larger than uh, than the two of us need. And we thought, well, maybe we uh, downsize and all. And it's great to have a uh, product that people like us in the years we now uh, uh, live to be able to, to, to do that. Well, we started to talk to our kids about it and our kids had a little rebellion. They said, Mom, Dad, what are we going to do for Christmas? What are we going to do for birthdays? What are we going to do for the holidays? What are we going to do for Thanksgiving? And uh, we're going to be in this house until I guess they wheel us out of it because it is a home, and it is because our kids want to be near us and they want to come home for very special times. Uh, that is that is living in a space that has turned into uh, a very special uh, it's not just brick and mortar it's not just the the wood it's all the memories in it i'll never forget this when we looked at this house for we've been at 45 years uh and we're off at fruit and herndon right and so basically this this street of about 25 homes was about all there was 45 years ago uh and i remember sharon looking at this house we we were a bit young back then right and then you know got to be got to houses need to be affordable Uh, anyway we we made the offer and it uh, happened and i remember when we got the, the key sharon went into every single empty room and said a little prayer in it for the kids that would grow up there for the grandkids for the for the special things that would happen Don, I'm telling you, I know I'm waxing kind of poetic about home ownership, but I'm telling you the Patterson family and now all three of the Patterson kids have homes. And I'm telling you, the joy of family, the certainty of having a home, the ability to have a place that not only lives well but is a, 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 it grows equity. Uh, a, and all of these things are what home ownership is about. And I'm going to be, as long as I'm in the legislature and frankly long afterwards, I'm going to be an advocate for for homes and, and for the, the livability and the California dream and the American dream of home ownership. It is critical for people particularly who are wanting to live uh, the American or the California dream, and maybe they were born into circumstances of of maybe poverty or, or struggling with uh, with the economics and all of that. And they've gone to school, they've worked hard, and now they're at a point where the biggest uh, purchase of their life is going to be a house in which is going to be an equity that they will be able to tap in their older years or help their kids through college. Who knows? That's what home ownership is about. It's not only just a roof over your head or a place to go after you've finished up work. <laughs> it's a place where you live with loved ones for a long, long time, and and enjoy uh, what that home has meant. And I, I, like I said, I appreciate what realtors do in that regard. Uh, all three of our kids have had realtors do wonderful things, stepping them through the, you know, the complications of of home ownership. And I've seen the joy on the face of my kids and my grandkids when that uh, that house has become their home.
0: And, and to be in a home 40 years, you would think realtors don't like that because, you know, you like the, the people that move every two years. Actually, not true. I, I remember I still to this day, I'm so proud of the people who bought a home from me in the beginning of my career decades ago. And they're still in that home. They have made it their home. I'm proud that I helped them do that and find a place that they could call home for them and their family. Plus, here's a thought that I hope that you can pass on to legislate other legislators in Sacramento. Home ownership is the best form of rent control.
1: Yeah, you know,
0: a 30 year fixed rate mortgage, you know what your housing yeah. payment is in the year 2035 with rent even with rent control. Um, you don't know what it's going to be. In fact, if you look at the rent-controlled cities like Santa Monica and San Francisco, where the rents are higher than any place else in California, those have been rent-controlled for decades, and yet they're still the highest? Why is that? Um, It's because rent control doesn't work.
1: Don, Don, look one of my biggest gripes about uh, the state of California and, and the, the governing class that is, that is running the state now is that their policies create scarcity. And when scarcity, this is economics one oh one. when scarcity occurs, uh, prices, rents, costs, and the availability availabilities go down and all of the, the costs go up. Uh, well, think about it. We are, Why why is our electricity as expensive as it is today? Government policies in the state of California have essentially driven the cost of electricity up because they have decided that there's certain electricity that is moral and certain electricity that is immoral. And they have created essentially a scarcity of the ability to use affordable electrons to to light our, our homes. Think about water. Uh, we are uh, saving water. We're careful about uh, how much we use. Uh, uh, we have seen since the last big drought uh, a flattening of uh, uh, in-home water use. Uh, people are being responsible. And yet we are increasingly told by those in charge, we'll use less water, but it's going to cost you more. It's the same thing with respect to rental property and home ownership. If you create scarcity, in other words, the scarcity of a development map, the scarcity of uh, uh, streets, roads, arterials that allow people to get around. If you uh, artificially create a scarcity of permitting, all of that creates a scarcity of supply. We all know what happens. When there is demand and scarcity of supply, what happens to the price tag? This is, in my judgment, a horrible set of policies that politicians in California and increasingly in cities like like Fresno uh, create. And who does it hurt the most? Those who are on the lower end of the economic spectrum, who have gone to school working hard. Uh, and they want to have the kind of life that maybe their mom and dad or their grandpa and grandpa had with homeownership at an affordable price tag. And what have these policies done? You know as well as I do that the housing costs are so expensive in California that a vast majority of Californians have been relegated to lifelong renters. They have been cut out of the space that turns into a home, that turns into equity. Uh, these are policy-driven uh, scarcity results. And I, when I'm up in Sacramento and I'm on the committees and in the budget and on the floor and with other members, uh, these are the kind of conversations I have with, with the very people up in Sacramento who are making the decisions that are creating the kinds of scarcities in the uh, the necessities of life. Why is it that everything that is necessity of life costs more in California? Water, electricity, housing, rents, you name it. Why? Uh, It is because of policies, particularly, I think, in the last 15 to 20 years. And it also drives the disparity between the haves and the have-nots. Here, California is governed by, quote, unquote, these progressives who want to reimagine, uh, you know, the free economy and, 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 uh, and, and decide that they're going to uh, tell people what they can and can't do with their labor, with the, the, the kind of housing that they, they, they can choose in a free market. we they were doing just the opposite and who is it hurting the most, the very people that the ruling party of this state say they care most about i think that's shameful
0: and when we get back from our next commercial break i do want to talk about an assembly bill 828 that's out there now that i think is you're you're hitting on the points of it right now how it could be so detrimental but let's go to our next commercial break and stay tuned to welcome home radio Welcome home radio this is Don Scordino your host and on the line with us today we have Assemblyman Jim Patterson of the 23rd Assembly District and even with COVID-19 out there Jim you're still taking care of business huh?
1: (laughs) Well it's the job description Uh, you know we sign up for this and I think the pleasant surprise was holding the office we have Lots of tools and lots of ways to help constituents get through the difficulties that some of these bureaucracies uh, throw up to people. And, and so uh, uh, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised that we can actually uh, help these bureaucracies to understand the difficulty that they're creating in people's lives and get them from uh, continuing to say no, wait, or maybe to say, yes, uh, your unemployment's on the way. Uh, small business relief is figure is way. Uh, we can say yes. So it's the kind of business I like doing.
0: And you know, something that I've learned from being here on Welcome Home Radio for the last 12 years is I've gotten to talk with a lot of our elected officials. And prior to that, I didn't really know the constituent services that are available. Um, And I think people our listeners really need to know that they can take advantage of that. If you're down and out and you need some help, that is a place you can call. Um, and
1: uh, yeah, what, yeah, the state has legislative liaisons in every one of the divisions and departments of the, of the state of California, and they're there for one purpose, and they're there to take uh, phone calls from people like me, and uh, usually they say, yes, uh, sure, we can help. My concern about that, Don, is that it's, it's backwards. The red carpet at these bureaucracies need to be rolling out for everybody when you call the first time you call. You shouldn't have to wade through a bureaucracy that uh, won't answer the phone or doesn't have technology that gets the job done. And then you have to call somebody like me, and I guess I've got to use the influence of an office to get the bureaucracy to do something special for somebody in my district. It's absolutely backwards, but it's the way things are right now and if you're totally frustrated with trying to access the bureaucracy in the state of california you just four four six two zero two nine, uh and my office is there and you've got some wonderful people willing to walk you through these kinds of things and help you get an answer
0: okay and i think maybe a common uh, uh bureaucracy right now would be the edd dmv um places like that is what you're talking about right
1: I my experience has been that even, even in the licensing bureaucracies, right here, individuals in California they graduate from a state uh, recognized and accredited uh, institution. Whether they're going to be a truck driver, whether they want to, uh, you know, have a uh, you you name it, uh, you have to have a license for it. and there's some bureaucracy you've got to go go through to get it. Most all of them take far far longer. Uh, we we tend to have an awful lot of incoming from people who are. they're ready to go to work they've got a job offer they've got to get their license from the state and guess who in this entire chain of learning and then getting a a job offer and then going to work is the most difficult to navigate it's the state bureaucracy so uh we, we try to help whenever we can
0: yeah we've experienced that with the department of real estate somebody comes into the business they pass their test they're excited they're ready to get started But it it could take weeks and weeks and weeks before they can get their license and actually talk to somebody, actually talk to a client.
1: The basic problem in the bureaucracies is, number one, uh, they are essentially government-run, meaning that they have no competitive uh, alternative, and so they are essentially a monopoly. That means customer service is only a slogan. It really isn't customer service as we know it uh, in the, in the private world. And then secondarily, and probably most importantly, we have outdated technology that is 40 years old. I mean, and think about it. This is, uh, the home of Silicon Valley. We're 20 years into the 21st century with the fifth largest economy on the planet. And the state of California has technology that is 30 and 40 years old. It, it is an area that I have been, uh, screaming and yelling about, but also working very hard behind the scenes to try to convince those that are in authority and try to pass some regulations that will streamline and get these organizations into the 21st century. We'll, we'll keep fighting that fight because people's lives uh, and their livelihoods are at stake.
0: Okay, and thank you for doing that, Jim. I kind of want to turn it uh, the page a little bit um, and go back to, um, we talked about you taking me back to civics class way back when how about economics class i i think the thing that hit me in economics class which by the way i really really paid attention to then uh it just made total sense supply and demand drive the price and and the common sense behind that just makes sense in almost any society that you can think about even if you go back 500 years to medieval times uh, you could see how supply and demand would work there and yet it doesn't seem to be taking hold in some of the ideas that are coming down for example uh, assembly bill 828 calls for a 25 percent rent reduction Um, Now, that's price control. I would think there's some constitutional issues there. Uh, But uh, so what that's going to do is have the opposite effect, uh, and it will actually drive prices way back up beyond the 25 percent. Because who is going to build? Who's going to build when you have to take a 25 percent hit? So there's going to be less supply. The demand will grow because we have a growing population, and that's going to force prices up.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, 828 has, uh, has a lot of uh, elements to it. It's working its way through now. I, I would say some of the biggest problems with that particular bill is uh, what essentially fall into the category of market disruption. Look, markets are self-correcting markets understand uh quick movement in other words when people are at a place where they're they're deciding they want to buy this they want to save for that they want to decide to live a, a particular way and that's going to mean to go to the marketplace to, to 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 provide for them those those choices the markets have to have uh consistency and they have to be uh you have to be able to uh Uh, trust the regulations and the processes by which the market is allowed to operate. My big concern about where California is heading is market disruption. And I'm going to just warn folks listening right now, the worst elements of progressive command and control are going to be, I think, some of the uh, methodologies that uh, Governor Newsom and the state of California, the ruling party, are going to put forward as we get out of the pandemic and into the aftermath. What do I mean by that? This governor has put Tom Steyer in charge of opening up the economy of the state of California once we're on the other side. What has Governor Newsom said publicly? He believed that this pandemic gives us an opportunity to initiate some of the more progressive ideas that have in times past. I, I, I really am concerned that bills like this and individuals like Tom Steyer, uh, who was a capitalist, I guess until he decided to be a socialist, uh, what on earth we are doing to uh, disrupt market? The thing we need coming out of this uh, pandemic is to quickly and rapidly get the market free again. Get the impediments uh, uh, and and the roadblocks torn down so that free people in a free society in a free economy can go about their lives imagine if we have pent up demand for market driven uh, opportunities and solutions and challenges and yet we have a government that is trying to double down on higher regulation more taxation and more uh, uh interruption and intrusion into the genius of the of the free market we are going to have some rough times ahead if the ruling party of this uh of this state wants to use this particular crisis in order to put forward not an open and free economy but a command and control and quote unquote progressive economy we know what that means anything but progressive
0: yeah one thing that i'm really thankful for is that we have a representative in sacramento that values a home the way you do. Just the way you light up when you talk about your home and and how proud you are that you and Sharon have been there 40 years with your family. That makes me feel good that we're represented that way. Um, Assemblyman Patterson, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking your time today to share with our listeners all that they need to know about what's happening with housing and the state of california thank you so much jim
1: thank you i enjoyed being here and to all the realtors thanks for what you're doing i know these are difficult times we're gonna get through this together and you're going to be giving a lot of keys to new homeowners uh, into the future and god bless you all for doing it
0: ah thank you so much and thank you to all our listeners we'll be back next week Hey, CG here from Meats to You. You know, grilling season is really ready to roll, and if your family's like mine, not everyone wants.